Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Kern. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. Today is my dad's 90th birthday. So please say a prayer for George Curran for his happiness, health, and for his holiness. I'm also super excited about your holiness and helping you grow in holiness. I've been playing uh, some uh, recordings on the uh, Holy Spirit, growing in the Holy Spirit, and I love it that I did another series following that on going deeper into prayer. And so that's what you're going to enjoy now and over the coming days is my series on going deeper into prayer. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do come before you in Jesus' holy name. We thank you and praise you for your holy presence. We thank you for the gift of praise. Lord, we ask that you would bless us this night. Lord, we ask that you stir into flame those gifts that you have so generously lavished upon our lives. We do look to you today, Lord. We ask your mercy. We ask your favor. We ask you to bless us beyond measure. And Lord, tonight we ask for that gift of praise and worship of you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, tonight is a night of gifts. Uh, tonight, it's a special day in the current home. Uh, Carrie, my wife and I, blessed with nine kiddos. Number five, John Mark, it's his birthday. And we're spending it with you. So, <laughs> there you go. So see how special you are? Uh, he turned 17. And uh, last night, he gave me a gift. He gave Carrie a gift as well. Uh, we were praying a rosary, our family rosary, and at the end of the rosary, he said, just quietly pulled me aside and said, Dad, he said, uh, every day that I was 16 years old, I prayed a rosary. And I said, that's right. <laughs> that is not what I said. I said, who are you? <laughs> Where did you come from? And uh, and Carrie, she's, she's really good. She said, you know, some, some kids, they just got the gift. They got the gift, that gift of prayer, that gift of faith, that gift of the openness to God and being drawn to God. You know, I, I think some of the, that gift skipped over some of my other kids, but it landed on John Mark in a really beautiful way. And so we're currently taking uh, bids for marriage proposals, arranged marriage. So, so we've got so far three. Okay, so three. Uh, number four. Okay, we got four, five. Okay, so okay, the number is going up as we speak here. <laughs> Actually, I've got two religious communities going after him as a priest. So sorry, guys. 
you're going to have to outdo that. Um, no, but what a beautiful gift. What a beautiful gift that he just gave to us last night, that sense of dedicate yourself to growing in your relationship with God through prayer, through the rosary, right? What a beautiful thing that he's discovered and has dedicated himself to and said, come what may, I'm going to do that. Well, why are we here? Why are we coming together? Why are we doing this series of talks? Because God has given us gifts. God has a gift for us and has more for us. And so over the course of these next six weeks, we're going to dig into this tremendous treasury of the spiritual life as the scriptures and our Catholic faith teaches it. Specifically on prayer and on different types of prayer. You see, the catechism is broken up into these four pillars. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, walking out your path of faith, there are four pillars to the catechism. The first is the creed. That's the profession of faith. It's what God, it's what God has revealed. What God has revealed is in the creed. Well, what God has revealed, he also has communicated to us, and that's in the second pillar. That's the sacraments. But then that takes root in our hearts as we walk out a path of living the commandments and the Beatitudes. That's the third pillar of the catechism. So what has been communicated is meant to take root and blossom forth in our lives. And then the fourth pillar of the catechism, anybody know what it's on? You can show off right now. It's on prayer. It's on prayer. The fourth pillar is on prayer, which brings us back to God. Prayer is what then deepens our union with God. And that's what we're here for on earth. We're here to become saints, and that means a more intimate, profound, personal, life-giving relationship with God, fulfilling his God-given mission. If we don't get that fourth part right, we're not going to get any of the other parts as fully as we ought to. Because I think as Catholics, we do pretty good at the first three. We do pretty good at, okay, what's God revealed? Let's learn the faith. We do pretty good at the Make sure you're getting your sacraments. We have an awareness and I think strive to live the third part, which is what? The commandments and the Beatitudes. Let's live our life in the world. How many Catholics have you met where you pulled them aside and said, I think, I think you're praying too much. <laughs> like, you're really overdoing it. I mean, really? Like, hours in the morning and hours at night and hours. I don't know how many Catholics I've ever met where I've had to pull them aside and said, you're just praying too much. That's not our problem. Well, what do we want to do here? We want to dig into aspects of the life of prayer as the catechism teaches it. And then we're going to break it open based on the scriptures and our tradition in a way that will help you go deeper into your relationship with God. I'm not saying you should be more committed to prayer. I'm saying you should be more committed to Christ through prayer. Prayer expresses our relationship with God. So over the course of the weeks, we're going to follow the traditional stages of prayer as our tradition has laid it out. The first stage is called discursive prayer, and we're going to focus on one form of discursive prayer tonight, and that form of discursive prayer is called praise or praise and worship. 
And then we're going to go next week and take a look at the second stage of prayer, which is called meditation. And that's the stage of being enlightened. And so next week we're going to dig into, and I think ways that you'll be surprised, the reality of Scripture in our lives of faith. How do we nurture and develop our relationship with God through the Scriptures? So we're going to talk about different ways of relating to the Scriptures and relating those to developing our life of prayer. The third week, we're going to take a look at the highest form of prayer, contemplative prayer, and that's this prayer of union. And we're going to learn a lot about adoration, silence, solitude, how we become simplified in our relationship with God. We go deeper into God in a transforming union. So we're going to dig into that in our third week. Our fourth week, we're going to focus in on a vocation, a call connected to prayer called being an intercessor. You think an intercessor means saying a prayer for someone. Oh, just you wait. Just you wait. If God calls you to be an intercessor, you will have a hard time sleeping at night because of the burden that the Lord places in you. You'll be woken up at three in the morning. On and on it goes. I'll talk more about that in week four. And then in weeks five and six, we're going to focus probably, I'm still trying to wait and see, I'm trying to discern, whether we should focus on discernment. See, my discernment's not that good yet. Or whether we should focus on repentance. It's, it really depends on how much sin I sense in the group. So <laughs> just, we'll have to see. If Mike keeps coming, it's going to be repentance. Or that other Mike keeps coming. A lot of Mikes here are going to just reveal the need for uh, repentance. Uh, and then the last week, um, we might go further into the reality of the Mass. Like, how do we actually live the Mass in a more dramatic way? How do we recognize the encounter with Christ at Mass? So that might be our sixth week, or we might focus on how do you pray as a family? How do you pray with someone else? How do you minister in prayer? Like, there's so much to say and not enough time to say it all. So I'm doing this. Why are we doing this? Without God's power, you won't stand the attacks that are coming against your life of faith, your family's life of faith, your kid's life of faith. The battle is getting harder. It's getting more fierce. We are not meant to fight this battle without God's power. We won't access God's power unless we're praying. And so that's why we're here. I don't want any of you, and I don't want me, to have to face the intense battle that is already raging, that is going to ask more from us than we'd ever imagined or signed up for. It's here, and it's going to get harder. So let's make sure that we're drawing upon all of the strength that God is providing so that we as a church can stand up and be salt, light, leaven in the world, so that we can stand up and become the saints fulfilling God's given mission, okay? So that's why we're here. Let's start in. Different ages of the church um, are, uh, are more drawn to certain aspects of our biblical and Catholic heritage. Certain ages are, are more tuned to it. So, for instance, if people said, what is this age really good at? What have we really expressed well in our time? It would be things like 
A sensitivity to the dignity of each person created in the image and likeness of God. With human rights, for instance, the role of women, there's been definitely a rise in that sensitivity to the dignity of women. I would say there'd be something like a sense of solidarity among all human beings. That's something that's grown in our time as well. And the need and the, and the reality of dialogue would be maybe another one. So those would be things that show up as strengths in a time. Well, there are also things that are weaknesses about an age. And I would say that we are living in an age of the church, and we are living in a place in the church, a location, meaning America, where there are certain aspects of our biblical and Catholic inheritance that we just have a hard time with. When I say we, I mean typical Catholics. And the sadness is, is that if we miss out on the richness that's available to us because of the awkwardness, the foreign nature of some of this inheritance, we might be missing out on tremendous gifts that God is just waiting to give if we were more open to it. Tonight, I'm going to talk about one of those. I mentioned that tonight we're going to focus on discursive prayer. If you look at the catechism real quickly, you'll see discursive prayer. They break it up into four different types of prayer. There's that praise and worship. They also include adoration. And then there's thanksgiving, petition, intercession. Those are the four types of discourse, spoken prayer. I'm going to focus only on the first one, praise. Because it seems to me, in my experience of working in the church, that for most, many Catholics, praise is a foreign concept. Praise, as it's taught in the scriptures, praise as it has come down through 2,000 years of tradition, is something that we today can find rather uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's not part of what I'm accustomed to. And there are great losses to our life of faith if we somehow don't know how to access what the Lord has revealed to us about the richness of praise and worship. So what do I hope to do tonight is lay out for you some of the, the beautiful truths of praise and worship in the scriptures and in tradition in the hopes that you'll be open to receive that gift. And maybe through a group like this, learn to have that gift be stirred into flame, not only here, but beyond here, in your own life, in your own time of prayer. So that's my hope in, in talking about praise tonight. Now, why would people find it something that says, well, I, I, that's not for me. Well, a lot of people will say, praise, it's not my spirituality. It's like one spirituality among others, right? It's not my style of prayer. I'm much more comfortable in, in a quiet form of prayer. Fair enough. Or people will say, you know, when I think about praise, like boisterous singing or, or loud, outward, spoken prayer, that really can lead to emotionalism. It can lead to an over-focus on emotions. And, and my, my own faith is much more rational. It's much more just like I, I want to be able to have a, a greater sense of I know what I'm saying, I can read what I'm praying, and that's where I feel more comfortable. And again, these are things that a lot of folks can feel like makes them shy away from or resistant to receiving that gift. I think a third one is, and this is the last one I'll mention, that um, some Catholics will see non-Catholic Christians 
emphasizing praise and worship in such a way that they find scary, they find inappropriate, they find, oh, this is leading you away from authentic in the most profound form of praise and worship, which is what? It's the Mass. The most profound form of praise and worship that God has given to us on earth is the Mass. Let's take a look at and say, what's heaven like? What happens in heaven? Let's take a look at the scriptures and let's see how the people of God, God's people, have approached him in prayer. Let's take a look at Jesus in the early church and see what they have exercised as it, recur as it concerns their own way of praying. Well, you may be familiar, if you take a look at the scriptures, What does it say in the scriptures about prayer? Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 5. John is drawn up into heaven, and he sees the throne of God. He sees God the Father on the throne, and then all the creatures around the throne, that these, these elders, these 24 creatures, these elders, and, and then uh, the angels, and then the, the holy ones of God. And then he says, as my vision continued... I heard the voice of many angels who surrounded the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They were countless in number, thousands and tens of thousands, and they all cried out, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and praise. Then I heard the voice of every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and everything in the universe cried aloud to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor glory and might forever and ever the four living creatures answered amen and the elders fell down and worshiped okay that's not some people's future that's where we're headed. We're headed to a worship scene before the throne of God that will be overwhelming. It will be tremendous, awesome. And when you, when you hear that, it's, it's like, that's our destiny. It's our destiny to praise God. But it's not just our destiny, it's, it's also what we were created for. It's a, it's a striking thing. Well, why were we created? Why were we created? It's a really good question. And um, different theologians have come up with different answers. Let's focus on the angels for a minute. How many choirs of angels are there? It's good, catechism. Nine choirs of angels. Let's go. Okay, great. Who knows the highest choir? What are they? The seraphim. Who knows number two? The cherubim. Bam, let's go. Okay, now, Aquinas says this about the angels. Because they're pure spirits, they don't have anything that would distinguish them from one to another. But what distinguishes one choir from another is their purpose. Who they are is discovered by knowing their purpose. Why were you created? The cherubim. Why were the cherubim created? Their purpose? They were created by God.
to praise him. The cherubim, the second highest choir of angel, were created solely and entirely to praise God. Now you might say to yourself, what is higher than praise? What would the seraphim be doing? If the cherubim are praising, what are the highest angels doing? Do you know what they're doing? They're gazing. They're looking upon the divine essence. They're gazing upon God in absolute awe and silent worship. Praise is what we were made for. But what we'll discover as we explore the reality of praise in our own prayer lives is that praise will give way to gaze. If you want to learn how to be still and worship God in awe and in adoration, learn how to praise. Learn how to praise. One of the things that holds back our time of adoration is we've been swindled out of the gift of praise. Now, you might think I'm overselling it, like, oh, you're exaggerating too much here. Like, are you making this stuff up? I am not. Let's take a look at the Psalms. Uh, What do we see in the Psalms? All you peoples, clap your hands, Psalm 45. Shout to God, Psalm 145. I'll extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and worthy of much praise, whose grandeur is beyond understanding, Psalm 146. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, my soul. I'll praise the Lord all my life. Praise Uh, Psalm 8, O Lord our God, how awesome is your name throughout all the earth. I will sing of your majesty above the heavens with the mouths of uh, babes and infants. Psalm 98, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Break into song, sing praise. Psalm 95 is the, um, it's the invitatory psalm of the Liturgy of the Hours. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise and thanksgiving. This is how the church, the official prayer of the church, begins every single day as a church. Let us shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Now you stop and say to yourself, okay, if this is all true, this is all like, let me just give you Jesus first before I go back to the thing. All right. What about Jesus? Does Jesus praise? Yeah. Luke 10. He sends out the disciples in the 72 and Luke 9 and the 12 and then the 72 and Luke 9, Luke 10. And at the end when they come back, At that moment, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I offer you praise, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden from the learned and the clever what you have revealed to the merest children. And then when Jesus, with his messianic entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, right? We think of Palm Sunday, we think of palms. What were those people saying? Look and listen to what they say. It says, They spread their cloaks on the roadway as Jesus moved along, and on his approach to the descent from Mount Olivet, 
the entire crowd of disciples began to rejoice and praise God loudly for the display of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is he who comes as king in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replied, If they were to keep silence, I tell you, the very stones would cry out. This is not a tangent. This is not some peripheral. This is not some kind of outlier in our life of faith. It's not intended to be. There is something about praise that can live in us on earth as it is in heaven. You want to start getting ready for heaven? Start living on earth what they're doing in heaven. Start praising. Okay, now you still might think, okay, this is just still outside my experience. I say to you, it is not. <laughs> Go back one day. What was one day? Sunday. Not in the morning. In the afternoon. Because if you didn't praise loudly in the morning, I'm going to bet there was a chance you praised in the early afternoon. Football! Oh! Oh, praise is so foreign and weird and awkward and different until your kid scores the winning goal with five seconds left, and then it's like, oh yeah, nice job. <laughs> now, ah, uh, you should have seen Sarah on Saturday. She's like, woohoo! That's right, that's right. Yeah, she didn't do that. But, I mean, come on now. What do you expect is the appropriate human response to a wondrous, extraordinary happening that occurs right in front of you. On the sports field, a dramatic happening, a Hail Mary pass, a last second shot, a last second goal, something like that happens and your team wins the championship and you, wild abandon, lose it, Give yourself over to it. And you know what? That's the proper response. Yeah! Right? You have no problem with that. It's expected. It's absolutely natural. Okay, did you hear what I just said? When something shows up in front of you that has a display that is wondrous, that is amazing, that is, oh, wow, I can't believe what just showed up in front of me. I have to respond appropriately to what just showed up. What just showed up was the goal, the winning touchdown. We respond to what shows up. When does praise show up in the scriptures? When God shows up. How do you know God shows up? Praise happens. You look at, uh, in 1 Samuel, the Ark of the Covenant showed up into the camp of the Israelites. They were fighting against their different tribes, their different enemies. And when the Ark of the Covenant showed up, the presence of God showed up, what happened? Yeah! Praise went up in the camp and it shook their enemies. God is among them. How did they know God was among them? They were praising 
if we as a church can recover, listen, we don't have to make it up, if we can recover the scriptural and Catholic gift of praise, we will be doing something amazingly prophetic. I didn't say pathetic, I said prophetic. We, we would be doing something amazingly prophetic. And what is it? A prophet speaks the truth that people need to hear. And what's the truth? There is a God that God is Lord, that God is glorious, that God reigns. He has an amazing plan for your life. He wants to be your rock and your savior, and he is showing up, and we can do nothing but respond appropriately to the one who just showed up. Praise is a sign that we've encountered the living God. I just said something that was shocking, and potentially offensive. You want me to say it again? Because you're like, wait a minute, I wasn't offended. What happened here? <laughs> praise, vigorous, boisterous praise is a sign that someone has had an encounter with the living God. Because as amazing as a touchdown is, a three-pointer is, God is glorious. Glory is divine beauty. As wonderful as a winning goal is, God is majestic. The awe of God who created this universe. Pray to have an encounter with the living God that will evoke in you praise. That's what I want for you. What happened in the early church after the Holy Spirit fell? If you take a look at the early church, Chris classes go on. They, uh, they are gathering because Peter and John have cured the man who was lame. And, uh, and they took them in to see the, uh, the Sanhedrin who whipped them, scourged them, and said, stop talking about Jesus. This persecution happened. What happened when the persecution happened? The people of the early church, the early Christians, gathered together and they prayed. They didn't just pray. Listen to what the scriptures say in Acts chapter 4. It says that uh, as they gathered, after they being released, Peter and John come back to their people and all raised their voices in prayer to God on hearing their stories. Sovereign Lord, you made heaven and earth and all see and all that is in them. You've said by your Holy Spirit, they go on and talk about the Gentiles raging and the kings of the earth gathered together and your holy servant Jesus. And they say, now look up on us, O Lord, as the threats they're leveling against us. Grant your servants, even as they speak your words, complete assurance by stretching forth your hand and cures and signs and wonders to be worked in the name of Jesus, your holy servant. And then it says this, the place where they gathered shook as they prayed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with confidence. We need that. We need this place to shake. That's what happens when God's Holy Spirit falls, when we pray and God's Holy Spirit gets stirred into flame, 
when we realize that God is God, we have no choice but to praise. I want to talk about the blessings that come by praising. The blessings that come. It's the best part of the talk, so you should probably not leave right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'll leave the game. They told me beforehand that they were going to be leaving now. Okay, perfect timing. What was I saying? Something profound. It was the best part. Oh, the blessings that come with praise. Thank you. Yes. It helps you focus. That works so well. That works so well. All right. Um, something to realize, honest to God, when you start your prayer, how often are you tired? When you start your prayer, how often are you distracted? When you start your prayer, how often are you emotionally overwhelmed by what's happening in your today? Just start praising God. Praise is a particular type of prayer, catechism brings it out, that takes your eyes off of what? Off of yourself, off of what? Off of your situation, off of what? Off of your world, off of what? Off of anything in this world. Where does it put your eyes? On to God. There were psalms of praise that were called psalms of ascent. Psalms of ascent. Let us go rejoicing into the house of God. They prayed psalms of praise in order to come into the presence of God. I said that you praise when you're in the presence of God. Guess what? Wonderful strategy. Praise as a means of coming into God's presence. We don't only praise because we're there, we praise in order to come into God's presence. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. And so one of the gifts that we have in coming together here and saying, come early, come as early as you can. Come and be part of 30 minutes of prayer if you can be here. Do you know why? Do you know what's going to happen? As you take your eyes off yourself and your eyes are drawn into the song, into praise, into worship, your focus is on God, and then guess what happens? There's a power that sheds, it sheds the concerns, the worries, the burdens, the difficulties, the crosses. And what remains is God's presence. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. You will find that praise is 
healing. Experienced it literally this morning. I woke up burdened. I woke up burdened. I tried to think my way out of it. It worked really well for about a second. And then it came back again and came back again and it came back again. And I'm like, Lord, get me out of this. Get me out of this. And the way out was him. Get my eyes on him. Lord, let me just look to you. Let me praise you. Let me just focus on you, Lord. And I tell you, great comfort, great freedom, great release came to me. Today. Today. That's that's a gift God wants for you. Praise is healing. Praise will heal. It's not just that praise is healing, but it's that healing gives praise. If you take a look at the scriptures, what do you notice about the praise of God? It often follows after people being healed. People get healed, praise of God erupts. The praise of God erupts. Later in the Acts of the Apostles, we see this. Members of the church who had been dispersed, this is in uh, Acts chapter 8, they went about preaching the word. Philip went down and proclaimed the Messiah. And all these miracles, they said without exception, the crowds heard Philip, saw the miracles that he performed, attended closely to what he had to say. He said many of the paralytics or cripples, and those, uh, and, and those, these were cured. The rejoicing in that town rose to fever pitch. Wow. What is going to give rise to praise? Letting God heal you. Have God do such a mighty work of healing in you that people will stand in awe and wonder. It will give rise to praise of God. It will give rise to this truth that God is the living God. For too many people, God is a concept. I believe in God, even Catholic concept of God. I do the Catholic things in receiving the sacraments. I try to live the Catholic way of life. But what's that fourth pillar? It's prayer. It's prayer. And by the way, what I'm talking about tonight, this is the basic level of prayer. This is elementary school prayer. This is the beginning. Praise. It's a type of discursive prayer. It's going to take us much deeper into other forms of prayer. Praise will give way to that adoration, but it's going to begin with praise. It'll begin with praise. The the next thing that we'll notice about uh, praise is that it has power. It's not just that it heals. It has power. Everyone knows the story of Joshua and, uh, and walking around Jericho. Come on now. You all know that, right? They arrived and Here's Jericho, they're in the promised land, and they're like, okay, they're not going to let us through. What do we do? Well, why don't we march around the city? Good strategy. March around the city once a day for seven days. Seventh day, they march seven times, right? Who here is actually thinking about Veggie Tales right now? Come on now. <laughs> right? I am. Right? You got it. Ace has got it. Veggie Tales, let's go. We are marching, and we want to, come on now. You got it. Now you're not going to be able to stop thinking about it, right? This is so awesome. Um, And then they go seven times on the last day. And then how did the walls fall? They found the weak spot and they started to dig into it. They shouted. 
they praised God, blew the trumpet, and the walls fell. The walls fell down. And what did they do? They were faithful in their praise. There are walls that you feel like there's an enemy that has a stronghold in my life, and that wall's not coming down. You start praising. You start making a consistent act of praising God, and you will find walls falling down. Not only that, but if you take a look at Psalm 8, I, I read it before. I didn't read, read the whole thing, though. Oh, Lord our God, how awesome is your name through all the earth. I will sing your majesty above the heavens and the mouths of babes and infants. You have established a bulwark. That's a fortified wall. You have established a bulwark against your foes to silence the enemy and avenger. Praise is a hedge of defense, a wall of defense against the attacks that come to our lives. We wonder, like, God, why? Why do we find ourselves so weak, so vulnerable? Why are our family under attack? Why is this stuff happening? Have we turned to praise as a powerful weapon of defense? Not only knocking down walls, but putting up a wall to protect us against the enemy. But there's more. You look at numbers, and you have the Korah's rebellion. Korah said to Moses, you're not the only leader around here. I got 250 of the leaders of Israel saying, our worship of God is just as good as yours. And Moses fell on his face and said, God, help. And then said, tomorrow we'll find out who is worshiping God in a way that honors him. What happened to Korah and the rebels? The calamity fell. The death fell upon the rebels. And this scourge came across the people. And Moses is watching death the hand of destruction and calamity fall upon God's rebellious people. And what does Moses do? Moses says to Aaron, take the censer. In the scriptures, do you know what incense is? It's praise. It's the prayer of God's people arriving before the Lord as a sweet-smelling fragrance. And he says to Aaron, Get out there. Run right out into the middle of the rebellion. Run right out into the middle between life and death. Face down that calamity that is is hitting God's people and there offer worship. And what happened? The disaster was halted because there was one courageous enough to go and to offer praise. What's the power of praise? The power of praise is that it not only will knock down walls, it'll not only be a hedge of defense, it will stop the disaster that is hitting the church. If we, I I think everyone in this room is convinced, 
God is asking the church today, that's us, to stand up, to speak out, and to push back against a culture that will slaughter the innocents. I'm not only talking about abortion, but I'm talking about gender ideology. I'm talking about this false way of looking at the world that you see in social media platforms. It is a tsunami of destruction. Where is the church? The church needs to run out and stand between life and death. We don't. We don't. Maybe part of the reason is because we have not given ourselves over to praise. The more that we would give ourselves over to praise, that we would allow the Lord our God to forge in us a spirit of praise, the more courage we'd have, realizing that the things of this world, (laughs) dust and ashes, moth eats and destroys. What matters is God, that he's glorified. We were created for his glory. And there's so much happening in this world in our world, our world, that should bring us to our knees in great cries of repentance and saying, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Praise will open up our entire perspective on who we are, on what we're about, and on where we're headed. There's another reason why. If you start praising, something else is going to happen to you. Uh, If you went to Mass today, uh, you heard a gospel that was the Good Samaritan. Walking by the one that's beaten up on the side of the road. And in the scriptures, praise has a twin. I don't know if you knew this. If you read in the Psalms, in in the prophets, especially in the prophets, praise and X will arise among God's people. What's X? Praise and justice will arise. You see, because you can't, this is the, what, Jeremiah, you can't, in Isaiah, put your hands up and say, I praise you, God, with hands held high if your hands are covered with the blood of the innocents. You start praising God, you begin to have a sensitivity to the injustices that are happening in this world. Maybe it'll be the gift of praise welcomed into our lives that will stir within us a sensitivity to the slaughter that's happening that won't allow us to remain quiet any longer. We can't just wait for some saint, for some other church leader. We have to do what's in our power. We have to do what's in our hands. And what's in our hands is to begin is praise. Now, let's Talk a little bit about praise. I talked about raising hands. Aquinas said, when you praise, should you raise your hands? And one of the objections he has to that is, well, if you raise your hands, 
you'll have yourself as the point of attention rather than God. And he says that it's not wrong to raise your hands to praise God. He says it would be wrong to praise your hands to be noticed that you are praising God. So it's utterly appropriate, so says Thomas Aquinas, to raise your hands in prayer and praise to God because the focus is outside of ourselves. It's beyond ourselves. It's focused on God. Okay. I've shared this before with the group that was part of the summer sessions. I just want to end on this, and that is what's important isn't just saying, oh, yeah, let me tell you the seven reasons why praise is important, right? What's important is praising. That's what's important, actually praising. So let me say if, if it's something that you're like, okay, now, what, am I ha- what do I have to do to actually do what, Tom, you're talking about? Do I have to put my hands up? Do I have to sing out loud? What, what, what's, the, what's the thing that I have to do? Well, let's say it this way. In entering into this gift of praise, let's allow God to do what he wants. Let's allow God to do what he wants. So what does that mean? Well, what that means is this, is that when you come forth from tonight, maybe you, in your own time of prayer, maybe those songs, and we sent a link out with the songs, If you're not on the email list, you can get on that email list. And the songs that will be sung, you'll be able to hear them before the prayer meeting as a great way of familiarizing yourself, feeling more comfortable with them. But my encouragement would be to find a time and a way to praise God outside of this group in your own personal prayer time. And maybe if you're like, well, how do I pray that praise songs, where do I find them? What do I find most comfortable? We've got lots of recommendations for, for like where you can go online to look. Not that complicated to just go online and type in Catholic Praise and Worship in Spotify, in YouTube, and you'll find lots of songs. Find songs that are drawn to you. Find songs that you can enter into and you find to be a blessing. Like I like Maverick City is one that I like. Some people like long time ago Hillsong, or people like um, Bethel, Bethel, uh, what's some other ones? Elevation. Elevation Worship, right? So there's lots of different ones that are out there. Find one that you like. Maybe have it in the background. Maybe have it in the background. I encourage you to, uh, like in the background while you're doing other things, while you're doing, you know, after dinner chores or whatever. Uh, we regularly put on praise and worship in our house. Uh, for our kids to hear and to be soaked into. Um, That's one thing I'd encourage you to do. The second is come to a group like this. And if you come to a group like this and you come early, just start by doing what makes sense to you. But here's what I wanted to say about what I shared in the summer. As you start into this, what you should expect, if praise has not been something you've done before, Expect that it's going to be a, it'll feel foreign. It's like, okay, this is not natural to me. Expect it to feel foreign and let that be okay. And then as you actually try to praise God, expect it to be awkward. It's, it's not something that's going to be like something you'll easily flow into, but let that be okay. Don't let that stop you. 
And then you'll move on to the next stage after something is foreign and something is awkward. Expect to fail at it. Like, boy, that didn't work. I didn't get anything out of that. Why am I even doing this? That's the next stage. Expect that to happen and let that be okay too. And then after that, you get to the next wonderful stage is expect to be attacked spiritually. Okay, so it gets better, right? So it's going to be foreign, awkward. You'll fail at it. Then you'll get the spiritual attack, right? And you're going to be saying, this is really weird. This is not Catholic. Why am I doing this? Why did I believe Tom? This is so emotional. This is crazy. I'm, I'm never doing this again, right? Don't be surprised when it comes. Press through it. And you'll get to the breakthrough where it'll start bearing fruit in your life. And you'll say, praise God. Thank you, God. Okay. So that's the flow and expect it to be like that. The last thing is this. There is something spontaneous about praise. But if spontaneous prayer isn't for you, start with the Psalms. The Psalms are, are right there. So, type in Psalms of praise and you'll get a whole long list of psalms of praise, because there are so many psalms that are praising God. Maybe you then find a song of that version that you can then sing, maybe one that's more upbeat, so you then use that one, right? And then what you'll find is, is that you'll go from the written prayer to something that is more personal in prayer. Lord God, I praise you, and I thank you for being my Father. I love you, Heavenly Father, and I praise you for your glory. Just that simple. Oh, there's one thing. You don't get to do that unless you have a a theological degree. So, sorry. No, you actually have to have childlike faith. Childlike faith. You have to overcome the theological degree. And say, you know what? I'm just going to talk to my father. And and, and you know what's going to happen? You'll find that as you're talking to God, you're approaching God, all of a sudden a sense of who God is starts appearing, and then you're going to praise. It'll be the response. And you'll find that what started off as foreign and awkward and and a failure, you're going to find yourself flowing into it. Even if it wasn't my spirituality, it wasn't something that I was naturally drawn to, you'll find that the power of praise, the power of praise to lead you into God's presence, the the power of God's praise to lead you into worship, that, that it cleanses you, it prepares all those gifts, it will become pillar of your prayer life. God has more for you. One of the things that he has more for you through is through the gift of praise. Let's be open to that gift today. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we love you, thank you, and praise you for all of the ways that you bless us and take care of us. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of praise I ask you, Lord our God, to unfold in each of our hearts, each of our minds, this spiritual gift in a way that we can receive. Lord, we want to receive the gift that you have prepared for us. And let it be stirred in us, Lord, beyond our expectations, beyond our fears, beyond our worries. Open to us the gift of praise in surprising ways. I ask, Lord, that you give us the the grace of touching heaven, of sensing the, the praise and worship of heaven, breaking into our time of prayer. Lord, please anoint us with the gift of praise. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.